Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Welcome back to Orange Nation. This one hit number two for the Pointer Sister, Steve. It's called Slow Hand. Not exactly a song I should have probably led the second hour off with. It should have been more exciting, but Slow Hand by the Pointer Sisters, our artist of the day. All right, uh, let's kick off hour number two by going to our guest line to bring on our final guest today. He was on the call for Syracuse Georgia Tech on Saturday. Evan Lepler on with us. Uh, Evan, great to have you on. And I, I guess let's just start with your overall observations of this Syracuse team. Uh, got off to a slow start this year. They seem to be playing better basketball. Uh, you know, what did you observe on Saturday? Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was my first chance to see uh, the Orange men's team in person this year. And look, following from afar, obviously I watch a bunch of games and there's some non-conference games that I only see the scores of and you think it's going to be a really long year for the Orange. But we've thought that before with some eyebrow-raising results in November, December, and this team just has a knack for figuring it out. And look, you know, I was really impressed with Malik Brown, obviously, just the length that the Orange are able to bring in off the bench is not something you, you see a lot of in this league. Uh, you know, maybe two, three, four teams a year have that kind of length off the bench. But obviously those guys are raw and they've been roller coasters and they've, you know, had their good games and their bad games. But I don't want to make a bold proclamation like this team is going to round itself in a tournament form. But I do think that there's something there with – the, the young pieces that, you know, Jim has brought in and you know, obviously Joe Girard, like he's just a fun dude to watch. He, he reminds you of a guy that just dominates in a game of one-on-one, you know, and like there were times late in the game where they just gave Joe the ball cleared out and he backed his defender down. And it was like, he was winning a game of one-on-one. So, you know, it's been fun to watch that guy do his thing. I know he's a, uh, you know, been a polarizing guy at times and has had his ups and downs as well. But obviously he had a great game the other day and, and was the best player on the floor. Yeah, 28 points for Joe. And yeah, really these last two games did it against Miami as well. You mentioned the back in his guy down. It's kind of a new part of his game that we've seen these these last couple of contests uh, where he's finding other ways to score. Uh, at, at what point on Saturday, Evan, did you think to yourself, man, he's he's got it today. He, he's in for a big day. Yeah, probably around the you know 11 mark of the first half when he hit three shots in a row, and you, you just kind of realized like cause he he didn't do much the first six seven minutes of the game, and they're down, and and then he finds a couple open looks and gets that one coast to coast bucket in transition off the steal, and then you're like, all right, th- this could be a 30 point day easily, and he got pretty darn close. Uh, the, the weird thing was, like, it felt like he could have gone for 40 or more. I mean, he, did, he didn't do a whole lot for stretches in the second half when, uh, when the Orange you know, just kind of slowed it down and got Jesse Edwards, Malik Brown more involved. But, yeah, I, I'm really curious to see, like, do you guys have any insight on, on what Joe Girard might do next year? Like, could he be a 50-year guy coming back? Because I asked, I asked Pete more about that. He said he didn't really know. Uh, but man, I mean, 
he, he could be the like the definitive. This guy's here forever, and and really challenge some scoring records if he does come back. I we don't know, but I led the show today with a a public plea for him to come back as a as a lifelong <laughs> Syracuse, Syracuse fan. I want this whole team back next year. Yeah, I I mean, it, there's just something about that college player that you sort of know doesn't have an NBA future. And look, maybe Jerome Gerard surprises me and you know didn't Ty Jerome start for the Golden State Warriors the other day and have like 20-something points. So maybe Joe Gerard finds a niche, but he doesn't sort of fit the prototype of NBA athlete. Uh, but you never know. And he could just become that Syracuse legend that uh, – now, who knows? Maybe Joe Girard's the coach of the Orange in 15 years. He, who knows? He also could, it could be a lucrative thing for him the way college yeah, basketball yeah, goes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Also. And it would, you know what? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be bad for our radio show, Paul, if he no. came back. No. <laughs> yeah, if you knew this fan base, if this would be the most upset fan base if you, he came uh, back. Evan, you said uh, he can sometimes be polarizing. That might have been the, uh, <laughs> the understatement of the century around here. Um, so, you, you know, the way he's playing right now, you know, you look at his stats and he's. Uh, top five in the conference right now in scoring. He's top 20 in assists. He's top five in three-point percentage, three-pointers made. Do you, do you think he's going to end up, I mean, the, based on the way he's playing now, as things stay you know, right now, as they stand right now, you think he's he's on an All-ACC? You know, is he an All-ACC selection at the end of the year? I mean, All-ACC, are we talking first team, like one of the best five players? Are we talking, like, you know, All-ACC, you know, one of the top 15 players? I would say players top 15. Is he first, second, or third team? Is he, is he, does he land on an A team? Yeah, I mean, if he averages between, you know, 16 and 20 points a game the rest of the season, I don't see how you can keep him off. You know, the, I mean, a few, very few people expected Syracuse to be 6-3. and three through their first nine games. I mean, they're on pace to be an above 500 team. And I, I do think, and I'd be curious to get your guys' take on this, I, I think you could make an argument that Jesse Edwards is the most valuable player on the team just because, you know, with all respect to Monir Hema, they don't have anybody that can do what Jesse can do at both sure. ends of the floor with his length and skill. Uh, but, you know, Joe is the, is the best player on the team, uh, the most outstanding player even if he's not necessarily the most valuable. And, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Jesse could be an all-defense guy in the league. And Joe, I mean, I think he's certainly one of the top 15 players in the league. Uh, It's funny, Josh Pastner was bemoaning the fact that, uh, you know, I think he thought that Joe was a 50-year guy already. And he's like, this guy shouldn't still be in the league. And I didn't have the heart. I didn't, I didn't have the heart to say to Josh, well, I think he's just in his fourth year, so it's, it's reasonable that he's still around. But yeah, I mean, it's it's fun to know a guy like Joe Girard through the years, and that you know feels like a throwback college player in that regard. And obviously, uh, he'll continue to rise up the ACC three-point all-time chart and the Syracuse scoring chart and. You know, with every bucket, he's kind of moving closer or past some great player uh, in Syracuse or ACC history. So that's a cool dynamic. Uh, You kind of experience history every night with Joe Girard the rest of the season uh, one way or another. And you're right about you know how how important Jesse is to that team and Joe. And and I would throw Judah in the mix there with those, those three guys. 
they need them every night. And if one of them's not there or not playing well, then then they do tend to struggle. But it, as a whole, they seem to be figuring it out. They're just their their resume right now, Evan, is is lacking, and we know that it's it's lacking a big win. And they've got an opportunity tomorrow with North Carolina coming into town. And I know that you know North Carolina got off to a little bit of a slow start, but they too are playing better basketball of late. And this has the potential to be a quad one game. It's certainly going to be a quad two game, a home game for the Orange against Carolina. What have you seen out of the Tar Heels, whether you've had them in person or or, or just watching them casually? Uh, you know, it, as you as you get ready to cover other teams and other games, what what stands out to you about these Tar Heels? Yeah, I saw them in person uh, in November, and I watched the second half of the NC State game uh, after traveling, following the Syracuse game Saturday afternoon into the evening. Uh, you know, they're getting deeper. Uh, the, the Tar Heels, I watched them practice in November, and you could kind of see the raw skills that some of the, the freshmen had. I mean, Jalen Washington had his emergence uh, when Baycott went down to Virginia. Uh, Seth Trimble is the guy that really stood out to me as just, you know, a potential all-ACC guy in the future. I'm not sure how great of a shooter he's going to be, but driver, defender, just super, super quick. And, you know, I mean, and obviously they have the returners from last year that we all know, uh, Baycott and Caleb Love, and who's had an iffy year shooting, but he's a microwave guy. He can get hot any particular day. R.J. Davis, who I thought was arguably their most valuable player a year ago, and, and Leakey is back, and they add in Pete Nance. So they're, they're a really good team, uh, you know, like – like a lot of teams in this league, they've had their ups and downs. I do think there was something real about kind of the championship hangover, and they brought everybody back, everybody in quotes, because they brought four, four main guys back. And I, mean, I remember chatting with Mike Jeminski about this early in the season, because G-Man back in the late 70s went to the NCAA final lost, I think, to Kentucky in that 1978 championship game. Duke brought everybody back that year. They were preseason number one, and he said it felt nothing like the year before. Like, externally, they had all the pressures of being the preseason number one and, you know, family and friends and the school. There was just kind of this expectation, and it was a different feeling. And and you can't replicate the feeling from last March in November, December, even January, February. I mean, it's a totally different year. So I think because of that, it's a very interesting season for North Carolina. Would it surprise me if they, you know, finish the season around 12, 13 wins in the league, something like that, and then get hot again in March? I, I Not at all. I think they absolutely have the ability. But I also think that it's a winnable game for Syracuse on, on – uh, Tuesday night, right? Yeah, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night? Yep. Yeah. Um, Just because, you know, Syracuse has the length to match up and the zone will will make life difficult for Baycott on the block, assuming Syracuse can hold its own rebounding-wise, which, you know, we we got to just spend a couple minutes with Jim Beheim before the game, and he was just kind of venting about the team's lack of rebounding and how they need to get better and how he continues to, to hone in on that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow night, and uh, I think Syracuse has a decent chance. I mean, obviously, it helps to shoot the ball well, and you know, Joe Girard's coming off one of his best games of the season, so it's 
Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be an electric night at the Dome. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you look at the standings right now, Evan, and there's a five-way tie for third place. Uh, Syracuse and UNC both 6-3. and three. Uh, We've got Miami at 6-3, and three, Wake Forest 6-3, and three, uh, Pitt there as well. Um, and Virginia 7-2, and two, Clemson 8-1 leading the way. You've seen a lot of ACC basketball. You've called a lot of ACC basketball. Do you have a feel for who the best team is in this conference or, or what the pecking order is, maybe 1-2-3 and three in this conference right now? I have a sense. Doesn't mean that I'm right. I, I, I think it's hard to to say that Virginia is like the favorite to win the league right now, or, or maybe the best team in the league. I think Virginia, you know, deserves to be considered the best team in the league right now. Now that doesn't necessarily mean they'll win the league because of the unbalanced schedules. You know, I think Clemson might have a slightly easier schedule, so they obviously have a, an early leg up right now, but. You know, I'm concerned about Clemson if Chase Hunter uh, can't come back soon because, you know, I, I, I was not working the game last Tuesday night, but I was at Clemson's first ACC loss and to this point only ACC loss at Wake Forest, which was 10 minutes from my house. And, you know, Clemson just was missing something. I mean, they, they've played well without Alex Hemingway, uh, you know, who's kind of their senior shooter, 3 and D guy. Uh, they they made it work without him, but then they lose another key member of that backcourt rotation, their starting point guard, and it was kind of just too much for them to overcome. So if he's out for considerable time, I think Clemson's going to fall down in the pack. But I do think they're good. I mean, Hunter Tyson's having a phenomenal year. B.J. Hall, when he's healthy, has always been one of the best players in the league over the past couple of years. So I, I think Virginia probably gets the edge over Clemson in my mind right now. But after that, I, I think Clemson is up there. I think Miami uh, is up there. And, you know, Wake Forest, uh, I, I'm much higher on Wake Forest now than I was a few months ago. I watched them practice in October. I watched their exhibition game. I didn't think they were going to be very good. I didn't think they passed the ball that well. I thought they were a bunch of guys that could be good one-on-one players but wouldn't play good team ball. But uh, to their credit, they've played much better team ball, and and Steve Forbes has gotten the Wake fan base kind of back into things in Winston-Salem, unlike what I've seen since, like, the late 2000s. So it's a cool dynamic living down here uh, just to see the the energy back infused into the program. And, you know, Wake has another big week at Pitt and then home for NC State. But I think Wake has a decent chance to win both these games, and kind of be in contention for one of those top four spots as well. So, the, the I mean, I could ramble about every team, obviously, but I do think it's very, very close. I don't think there's going to be a, a large margin separating the, the, you know, the first tier and the second tier in the league, and there are a lot of teams in those two tiers. I just think you, you kind of got to lean towards Tony Bennett and Virginia because of the infrastructure. It's not the sexiest choice, but uh, – I, my gut says it's the right one. Yeah, it's it, it feels like the conference is wide open. I mean, seven teams right now with either three or four league losses. Uh, it just it, it seems like it's wide open. Makes for uh, a lot a lot of fun covering it and uh, and talking about it. And, and Evan, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on, and hopefully we can do it again down the road. Yeah, thank you all for having me on. Best of luck. Uh... Tomorrow night against the Tar Heels. All right. Uh, thank you. Evan Lepler, play-by-play man for Bally Sports ESPN3. He was on the call for Syracuse 
Georgia Tech on Saturday. And with that, we will hit another timeout. Full lines open the rest of the way. 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio.